Our second scripture this morning is Philippians 1, verses 3 through 11. I thank my God for every remembrance of you, always in every one of my prayers for all of you, praying with joy for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will continue to bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because I hold you in my heart. For all of you are my partners in God's grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what really matters so that in the day of Christ, you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Loving God, thank you for your free and flowing grace. Open our hearts that we might perceive it, that we might come to embody it in lives of gratitude that become a bountiful harvest of blessing for the world you love. Amen. Way back in August, when I started to sketch out the arc of this sermon series, A Place for You Here, I had all these scriptures that the lectionary offers up. I was moving them around a bit, matching them up Sunday by Sunday, thinking of how to shape our experience over this season. And when it came to Thanksgiving, there was this lovely text from Philippians. I mean, it doesn't get any lovelier than this, does it? I thank my God every time I think of you. In a series called A Place for You Here, surely that will help us find our way to a place of thanksgiving. And back then in August, you may remember, we were still in our summer of Psalms, so I wrote down in my notes next to Philippians 1 and Psalm 78. It was almost an afterthought. Well, a couple of weeks ago when I picked those scriptures back up and dove in for this Sunday, that Psalm 78, well, it wouldn't let me go. And what wouldn't let me go is that the psalm has just as much to say about thanksgiving as this Philippians text in a way that might be harder to hear, but that is no less true. So here's what I propose. Let's engage both texts, each with its own expression of thanksgiving, and see what we find as we make our way to a place of thanksgiving. Psalm 78 gives thanks to God by telling the story of God's faithful presence in the story of a people. 
It's a type of psalm that might sound familiar. The the psalmist tells the story of how God was right there in every adventure and misadventure, guiding and sustaining. God is good all the time. We were in slavery in Egypt and God brought us out into freedom. Give thanks to God for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. We were dying in the desert and God brought us water from a rock. Give thanks to God, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. We were taken away far from our home into exile, and God found us, sought us out, and brought us back home. Give thanks to God, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. In this type of psalm, the people tell their story and give thanks And then instruct each other to tell the story to their children and to their children's children, remembering the past as a way of living in the present and moving into the future. God was always there. God always will be. Tell that story. Write it on your doorpost. Bind it to the sleeve of your garments. Psalm 78 is that type of psalm with a twist. Did you notice? These psalms of thanksgiving typically admonish, tell this story to your children, but this one, Psalm 78, says, now don't hide this story from your children. Don't hide it? What kind of story would they be tempted to hide? Well, take a look. Psalm 78 says, I will open my mouth and I will tell a story. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Don't hide this from your children. And then the story that unfolds, well, it is not pretty. They tell the truth. Our ancestors, God brought them up out of Egypt, but they forgot what God had done. God brought them out into freedom and then they rebelled against God. God gave them water and bread enough for each day and then they demanded meat. They scoffed and said, can can God even spread a table in the wilderness? And God did. And when God provided, they complained. When God set them free, they re-enslaved. In all God's deliverance, they destroyed the world God had given. Their heart was not steadfast, even when God's was. And even so, in all that, God was always there. Again and again. Don't hide this story from your children. This psalm recounts their story and tells it true so that the people can learn from it. As one writer puts it, in this psalm, memory has a clear function in warning the community to learn from its history. It is rehearsing the past so that the future might be better. Don't hide this from your children. Tell it true. I've thought a good bit this week. I've I've tried to imagine what it would be like to stand in this place, look around, to stand in this place and today tell the traditional stories of American Thanksgiving. And for those who are at home, just a reminder that in this room, we are sitting in the midst of Peter Anderson's amazing photography from his experiences at Standing Rock. Imagine that. 
telling stories of happy pilgrims and happy Indians living in peace and harmony, claiming that as our history with the accountability of these faces watching us. With the accountability of them telling us the story of yet another treaty with indigenous nations made and then broken. Yet another story of the taking and trashing of land for profit. Do, do you remember that, that story that Peter told? How the tribes gave the pipeline officials a map of where their sacred sites were so that they could avoid those sites in their construction. And then how, how the petroleum companies, the pipeline companies, then used those maps to destroy those sites so that there would be nothing left to argue about. I took another look and those, those, that story's told over there on that side of the wall in the photos of the people rising up and facing down those bulldozers. As we do our work, we're learning more and more how in so many ways we've been telling a whitewashed version of our history to our national detriment and to the detriment of those who continue to be harmed. There are school districts across the country reacting against teaching the harder parts of American history. A number of states and school districts have prohibited teaching about systemic racism. There's a proposed law in South Carolina that would prohibit teaching any history that creates discomfort or guilt or anguish. Tell that to the children of the people who lived it. But don't tell that history to our children, even if its realities continue to cause present day harm. The problem with that, the problem with that is that we stay stuck in that same story. Not to mention the fact that it's not honest. But this psalm, Psalm 78, knows that real liberation begins by telling the story and telling it true. Our ancestors enslaved people. The brutality of that was unimaginable, and its harm continues in systems that perpetuate those original wrongs. And look how God and the power of the human spirit have even so worked relentlessly to set people free. That continues to be the work that is ours to do. White colonizers stole indigenous land. They made and broke treaties. They tried to kill off a people. And even so, look at the witness of Standing Rock and the people who show up every morning, even in the midst of all of that reality, to be who they are. To stand against wrong because it is the one life worth living. We can't see the fullness of God's liberating work in the world if we don't say true things about how bad things really were and are. We could tell a story, we could tell a story where everyone has always been happy, always treated each other fairly and always gotten along, but the better, more interesting, more helpful story is the story of who we really are. 
It's the story of the life we really live. All the stumbling and fumbling. God, even there, God's grace with us all the time, better than we deserve, more powerful than all that does us harm, including our own folly. In the mire and the muck that we have made of the world, even there, there was grace abounding. Give thanks to God, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever, even in the mire and the muck. And that's where we find the Apostle Paul in this Philippians text, right there in the mire and the muck. Now, this is a quiz, an actual quiz. I expect an answer. Think back to the drama that played out here a few weeks ago. The Apostle Paul and eventually his buddy Leon. Okay, remember? Now, we talked about Philippians then. When Paul was writing this letter to the Philippians, where was he? Jail! Yes, yes, good. A plus, 100%. I'm not going to ask any more questions. We're just going to stop there. That's right. Paul is in prison. His story isn't pretty. Apostle Paul has been dashing all over the known world with urgent good news, the liberating good news of God's love for us in Jesus Christ. His opponents have been at his heels, and the powers have finally reined him in and shipped him off in chains to prison in Rome. Not a pretty story. And the story he's urgently proclaiming, well, it's not all that pretty either. The story of Jesus, it has at its heart a brutal crucifixion. A crucifixion that somehow issues forth into resurrection. It's a story that hurdles full on through the Gospels, full on into death, real death. It is finished and then somehow keeps moving on into life. Paul writes of all the powers arrayed against humanity and dares to proclaim that in Christ we are more than conquerors. Arrested again and again, Paul writes, it is for freedom Christ has set us free. And here we find Paul, a prisoner in chains, and this little church he loves in Philippi sends him some help, probably some money to buy him some food. They send it along with the companionship of the messenger who brings it, which may have been just as important. And Paul picks up his quill and writes, I thank my God every time I remember you. Out of the mire and the muck, Notice what he is grateful for. Paul expresses thanksgiving for the sharing. Not just a sharing of this one gift, but the sharing of a life lived together. I thank my God every time I think of you. I thank God for your partnership in this work from the beginning. That's actually the community word, koinonia. I thank you for your partner. Thank God for your partnership, for the community we share in this work, this life. I give God thanks. Paul expresses thanksgiving for the love. This is the Paul we usually hear yelling at someone. The man is intense. <laughs> intense because something urgent and vital is at stake. And here, 
He's downright tender. It's right for me to feel like this because I have you in my heart. I long for you with the very compassion of Christ. What Christ feels for you, I feel for you. And then, sitting there in chains, Paul expresses thanksgiving for a bountiful harvest, for a harvest of right relationship, this sharing of life in the world. Whether I am in chains or free, I know that the one who began a good work in you will bring it to completion through the mire and the muck, through this present suffering beyond these and any chains. The Apostle Paul reminds us that our experience of grace and gratitude is not in any way bound or determined or limited by any circumstance. In Jesus Christ, God's grace reaches us and embraces us even in the mire and the muck and perhaps especially their gratitude, our gratitude wells up in us in response to that gift, to the gift of grace neither expected nor earned. It's, it's gratitude in response to God's love for us just because of who God is and of who we are to God. God's own beloved in every circumstance. Grace flows freely toward us and gratitude flows back out in our own lives and in the life we live together. And this flowing back and forth, this encircling grace and gratitude, it weaves us together ever more closely knit in interdependence, mutuality, and love, a harvest of love and sharing. That's what we try to do here. We gather here in our own challenging but stunningly beautiful world, and we try to say true things even about the hard things. We do that so that we can face them together with God and with each other and with all whom God loves so that in gratitude we can lean into God's grace and live life abundantly. For this full fall season, a little over two months now, we've been thinking about those words we say, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, there is a place for you here. We've considered the journey and struggle of displaced people, immigrants who are arriving in this bountiful country, and we are thinking some of how we might help them find safe shelter. We have looked unflinchingly at the stark realities of climate crisis and the unraveling we witness even now, and we've thought some of who we will be and how we will live as the climate changes. We've named the struggles and tender places of our own lives and thought some of what it means to deacon each other, to serve each other, to share life and tender mercy. While we still have Peter's photos around us, let's remember one more story that Peter told. It was that photo in the dim light of a new day breaking in where the Standing Rock community, the indigenous nations and the people there gathered there in solidarity as the pipeline powers bore down on them. As that community every morning would go down to the river to begin their day. Peter described it, the women would lead first 
and they'd line the steep path down to the river and help each person down to the riverside. And then they'd do it all again. And the men lined the path, hand to hand, helping each other down to the waters in the dawning of a new day. The psalmist says, don't hide these stories from your children, for there is life there, overflowing. We are awfully bold in those words we say. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, whatever circumstance brings you here, today there is a place for you here. May that be true. May this be a place where we can say true things about our imperfect lives so that we can be changed. May it be a place where we experience the deepest belonging to God and to each other. May it be a place where God's abounding grace and our gratitude flow out into the world in an abundant harvest of justice, love, and tender mercy. The Apostle Paul writes in those lovely, lovely words, words that we can hear echo and reverberate on down through the generations until they have come to us so that we can hear them as our own. I give thanks to God every time I think of you, knowing knowing in every challenge and in every circumstance, knowing that the one who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in Christ Jesus. Give thanks to God, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. <laughs>